This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 105, and we are recording on November 7th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hey. And we're a little, like, brain dead this morning. We voted very early. Yeah, it's election day, <laughs> and I'm sure all of you who watch the news know that, like, the election in Virginia has made national news, and it's kind of, it's like a crazy big deal, and I'm just so stressed out about it. I'm so stressed out about it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've planned my day full of like silly distractions and like lunch with friends and going to yoga and being very bougie because I just, I can't. (laughs) Well, we'll talk about some books and that'll make you feel better. Thank you. Very good. (laughs) What are you reading right now? So I don't even know. (laughs) I mean, I know what it is. It's Orphan Island by Laurel Snyder, which is a middle grade novel um, that I was sent that looked interesting and I heard really good things about. So I've started reading it and it's so strange. It's about these nine, I think it's nine orphans who live on, as you would imagine, an island. Um, and it's kind of Lord of the Flies without the violence in that there are no adults. They're not supervised. They've arranged their own societal structure. The island like magically provides food for them and they all have chores and all of this. And every day is kind of the same. Except once a year, a, a boat appears at the island, takes the oldest child away, and brings a new, younger child. So, like, once yeah. a year, there's a little bit of turnover. Um, and so the book is told from the point of view of the oldest, the child who's the oldest now, um, who gets a new young kid to care for, and her best friend is sent off in the boat. And, like, so it's... And she knows that the next year of her life is the last year on the island, and she doesn't know what's coming after she leaves. It reminds me a little bit of Never Let Me Go, except I'm really hoping that since this is a middle-grade novel... <laughs> The island not is, about does not organs. serve the yeah. same purpose as the school in <laughs> Never Let Me Go. So I don't know. But I just started it, um, and I don't I don't have a great handle on like, what's coming. <laughs> but I'm hoping that since it's middle grade, it's going to not be terrible. I don't know. Or terrifying. Right. So that's what I'm I reading. Read, I read her book, um, Bigger Than a Breadbox, like, way back in the day. And yeah. it was really cute and fun. Um, that yeah, sounds this is more cute. stressful, though. It is stressful. But interesting. Like, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it to find out what's going on. Um, but, yeah. What about you? I am reading Jade City by Fonda Lee, which is this, like, godfather, except Asian, plus magic, like, chunker of a book, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm I'm a fan of The Godfather, the book, and, I mean, the movies, too, obviously, I guess, but, yeah, yeah I guess. Book, like, well, I have, like, a whole story. So, so, for my 21st birthday, I made some very bad choices, <laughs> and the next day, I, like, basically couldn't move. Um, like, I showered sitting down like it was so bad and all I did was sit in the chair in our dorm room and read The Godfather like from like opening page to final page like I ate dry toast and I read The Godfather (laughs) so I know (laughs) so so I have fond memories in a weird kind of way um and this is like a really cool interesting diverse magical update so far I'm super enjoying it like it's about warring gangs and there's like all of these machinations and like who's on whose side um and it's a sibling story too which I always like and yeah I like don't know exactly like 
you know, who is on which side yet. So I'm just like, I'm like trying to spot, you know, who the betrayer is going to be and all of that good stuff. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, so yeah. Um, Okay, so we are now going to talk about books that you are interested in because the way this show works is that you send us questions uh, for what you should read next and we find some options for you. So you can send us questions about, you know, my favorite book is X. Can you send me read-alikes? Maybe you need a pick for your book group. Maybe you need a pick for a friend or a relative for their birthday or a holiday. Um, we will take any and all of those questions. You can send them to us by email. It's getbookedatbookriot.com. Or you can drop the question in the form that's at the bottom of the show notes on the Book Riot site. Uh, if you have a time-sensitive question and you need the answer by a specific date, please put it in the subject line of the email or the first line of the form. We do our best to get to them on time, but if you bury it, we might miss it. Um, and if you ask a question that has a super quick uh, turnaround or we're not going to get to it on air on time, I probably will send you an email response, so keep an eye out for those. Let's see. What other housekeeping things? Oh, Amanda, tell us about the giveaway. Giveaway. Uh, we are running a giveaway on the site right now for a $500 gift card to the bookstore of your choice. It is open internationally, so we will figure out exchange rates and all of that to send you the gift card if you win and you don't live in the U.S. Um, so to enter, you can just go to bookriot.com slash bookstore giveaway, all one word, um, and, and, and enter. <laughs> the giveaway yeah. closes November 26th, and we will be emailing the winner. So... Best of luck. And if you do win, please send me pictures of what you buy because, like, that's so much money. And I just, I know. I want to see. I want to see. Same. All right. We don't have any feedback today from last round of questions. So I'm going to give, I'm going to dive into our first question. And Amanda's going to tell us about our first sponsor and away we will go. So our first question is from Sarah, who says, I love, love, love novels written in Spanglish, both because I'm working on my Spanish, but also because I, too, live in a different community in which most people with whom I interact are bilingual, and books like Juno Diaz's are exactly how we talk, albeit in a different language. My favorite genre is literary fiction, but I would take recommendations for good mystery, YA, essay poetry collections, or if they're very well written, fantasy or sci-fi. Bonus points for evoking a strong sense of place that immediately makes me want to book a trip wherever the book is set. Uh, note, I'm not good with animal death, so either steer clear of that or at least include a trigger warning. Okay, our first sponsor is intense, y'all. <laughs> this book is called <laughs> The Big Lie. It's by Julie Mayhew. Um, Mayhew, excuse me. And it's an alternate history um, in like the style of The Man in the High Castle or The Plot Against America, that Philip Roth novel. So in this universe, the Nazis won World War II. It takes place in 2014 in Nazi England. And the main character's name is Jessica Keller. And she is a very good Hitler youth, essentially. She's a champion ice skater. She's a model student. She's a member of the Bund. Um, she's the daughter of like, you know, she's just the dutiful daughter of the German Reich, basically. Her best friend and neighbor, whose name is Clementine, is none of those things. She's very outspoken, outspokenly political, outspokenly radical. And the regime has started to take notice of that. And so Jessica is kind of torn between keeping this, her head down and keeping like her life as perfect as it can possibly be um, and supporting her best friend who, subplot, she also happens to be in love with. 
So there's a lot going on here. The book is talking about revolution and radicalism and feminism and sexuality and protest. Um, so it's been blurb as the man in the high castle meets 1984 meets the handmaid's tale, which is just, a, that's just a lot. That's just everything. And it seems very timely and appropriate for everything that's happening in the world right now. So if you're into alternative history or dystopia or political novels, or you just want to read some queer YA, then this is the book for you. So go check out The Big Lie by Julie Mayhew. Okay. Spanglish. I'm just going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thought for this um, question was Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older, which is a urban fantasy YA novel that I just love. It has a lot of Spanish on the page. Um, and the main character's name is Sierra. And she is, I think, a senior in high school? Or it's like, it's, it's summer. She's in high school and it's the summer. <laughs> um, and she's really just kind of looking forward to, like, making art and hanging out with her friends and bopping around Brooklyn and, you know, being a teenager in the summertime in Brooklyn. Um, so she goes to a party, her the first party of the season, and, like, an odd zombie guy crashes it and starts chasing her around the party. Um, and her grandfather starts saying lo siento in Spanish over and over and over, which means I'm sorry, and, like, she can't figure out what's happening. And so, like, supernatural things are going on. She notices that the um, the graffiti in her neighborhood starting to, like, come to life. Um, And then she discovers that there exists a supernatural order called the Shadow Shapers who use their talents in, like, painting or um, storytelling or music to connect with spirits and do make things happen in that way. And so she discovers all of that and that, that, that her family is, like, very involved in that supernatural order, um, while at the same time, really frightening things are happening to and around her. And so she has to kind of figure out what the connection is. Um, and she, oh, oh, and her friend, Robbie, I forgot about Robbie. She's like accompanied by this sidekick guy named Robbie, who's like the super hot graffiti artist who I really like. Um, anyway, so this, <laughs> this, this is just great. Um, so it's a lot of fun. It's a big, it's a page turner. Uh, I feel like if you like uh, Juno Diaz, then you really like Shadow Shaper, uh, but it has, you know, magic. Also, uh, Daniel Jose Older has a YouTube channel where he's got a great video about this topic, about Spanish on the page, and like choices to italicize or not italicize it, or include translations or not include translations. And it's really interesting. So I don't have the address for his YouTube channel, but you know, Google exists and you're all very talented, so I'm sure you can figure it out. So that's Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older. I also have a YA for you. It is a contemporary YA called Yaki Delgado Wants to Kick Your Ass by Meg Medina, our beloved Meg Medina, (laughs) who's the best. Um, It is about a Latina teenager who is being targeted by a bully, and she, like, does not understand why. So, like, one random morning, she's on her way to school, and some girl tells her that Pity Sanchez, like, hates her and wants to kick her ass. And she's like, I... Pity's like, I don't know who that is. Like, why why does she why does she want to beat me up? Like, why does she hate me? Um, and it's like that stupid high school stuff, you know, oh, like, you know, you aren't like she Pity is a light-skinned Latina, so she's not dark enough, she's not Latin enough, she doesn't have an accent, she gets good grades. Um, and and like it's serious. Like Pity is like very much like afraid of what's gonna happen because she's not a fighter by choice. Um, and the book is about it's about a lot of things. It's about her home life, which is where the Spanglish comes in. Like there's a lot of um, talking with her mom. Like there's a lot of Spanglish on the page there. Um, and also like she doesn't know her father, um, and she has feelings about that. Uh, she's trying to balance her schoolwork with her weekend job. She's maybe 
like she's hooking up with this guy and trying to figure out what her feelings are about it. So it's a very slice of life novel that's sort of organized around this one intense thing that's going on at school, but there's a lot of other stuff going on too. And I just, I, I mean, Meg Medina is so good at characters. Like, you meet these people and you're like, yeah, I know them. <laughs> like, they're totally familiar. They feel very real. The dialogue feels very real. Um, and yeah, it's it's just a great book. I don't think it'll necessarily, like, Pity lives in kind of like a, you know, rundown area. Like, I don't think it's necessarily going to make you want to book a vacation. But, um, but it, it's like, it's so real. It feels really real. And it's just a great book. So that's Yaki Delgado wants to kick your ass by Meg Medina. I love her so much. She's great. Meg She's Medina lives in my city and I went to I went to like an ACLU event in Richmond at a bookstore about censorship and like book bannings and she came and talked about how often Yaki Delgado wants to kick your ass has been banned in books because of the word ass is in the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just hilarious and funny and the best and everyone should read it. Okay, question two is from Mel, who says, I work at a college, and like a lot of colleges, each year our school assigns a summer reading book for the first-year students. I'm curious what books you two would recommend. Uh, what book, fiction or nonfiction, would you want every new college student to read? Okay, I went with The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness by Michelle Alexander. And I picked this for a lot of reasons. Um, the book is about how our prison system is designed to mimic Jim Crow era segregation. So it is designed to target African-Americans, specifically African-American men, and keep them in like behind bars or labeled as felons so that they can't vote. Um, and it's a really shocking, but <laughs> like also not shocking for a lot of reasons, uh, look at our criminal justice system and how it is just legalized racism. And so I picked it because I think for kids coming into college who are, you know, 18, 19, um, maybe don't know much about the world. And this is probably, uh, well, not probably, this is a good introduction to like how things are actually done in this country and how the criminal justice system is actually run. And uh, maybe it's a kid's like first introduction to thinking about social justice or about how um, our society and our civic systems are set up. So it's a good introduction to those sorts of topics for kids who are, when you're getting into college, going to probably have to start thinking about those sorts of things. But also it's pretty academic. Like it's very heavily footnoted. Michelle Alexander's a genius researcher. Um, so, you know, you're going into college, you're going to have to learn how to deal with really heavily researched um, texts and like grapple with those sorts of things. So it's an a nice introduction to that as well. Um, so yeah, the new Jim Crow, go read it. Michelle Alexander. I picked Citizen, an American Lyric by Claudia Rankin, because if I had a time machine, I would use it to go back and give this book to my younger self. Um, it is one of the like most powerful books for me personally that I've read in the last few years. It came out in 2014. Um, what it is is sort of a prose slash poem book uh, that talks about racial aggressions, both like big and microaggressions. And it is beautifully written. Like she is a master of words. She's just so good at them. So it's incredibly powerful. And she's mixing things like 
um, a poem about young black men killed by police brutality with, you know, her sort of a mini essay on Venus Williams and like racism in the tennis world. Like it just covers so, uh, so many different things. Um, and, oh, excuse me, Serena Williams, not mm. Venus. I get like, I, I forget. Sports but anyway, <laughs> I mean, you know, sports people. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it, and like small incidences, like, you know, being at a restaurant with a white friend and like, being the one to put down the credit card and then when it comes back the waitress hands it to her friend like tiny slice of life everyday stuff mixed in with like the bigger more obvious stuff and I as a white person like was not this was not on my radar and it should have been and I wish it had been earlier so it gave me like it was a real eye opener for myself about you know the way I use language the like expectations I have in tiny situations as well as in big situations because the big stuff is easy to spot but the little stuff is insidious and really shapes the way that we move through the world and that is so important to be aware of um, and so I yeah I just wish that like this book. I wish everybody would read this book, but particularly, especially college age, because, you know, you're learning so much about, like, the complexities of the world. Well, hopefully you're learning about the complexities of the world. And, like, this this conversation needs to be a part of it. So that's Citizen, an American Lyric by Claudia Rankin. Okay, next question is... From Kristen, who says, let's see. Growing up, I've always loved Alice and all the wonderful characters from in Wonderland. And now more recently, Neil Gaiman's Coraline and her freaky little alternate reality. I feel similarly about Peter Pan and Neverland, though I didn't read those books, only watched the movies. Oops. Uh, I think they all appeal to this childhood desire to find a secret room or a portal that is fun, exciting, colorful, magical, and adventurous. Uh, do you have any recommendations for similar books? P.S. I have read Harry Potter, The Secret Garden, etc. And while I enjoyed these books, I'm looking for something a little different. Thought about reading the Narnia series, but don't think it's quite what I want. I think I'd prefer something with one main character, even if there is a strong supportive cast and also something that is a quicker read. Uh, Amanda, why don't you talk? Okay, the thing that you're looking for is The Girl Who Circumnavigated Fairyland in a Ship of Her Own Making by Catherine Valenti. It's a whole series. I think there are four, maybe five. Um, and the first book is about a girl named September who is 12 years old and lives in Omaha and it takes place. There's like, it's not a name time, but I think it feels like the forties, like her father is off at war and her mother is, uh, working in a factory or something like that. So it feels very world war two era. Um, then one day she is, uh, she stumbles upon the green wind who is a dude in a green jacket who takes her on an adventure to fairyland. Um, and her version of fairyland is, um, it's great. It's very, it, it's it's not as creepy as Neil Gaiman's like portal would necessarily be, but it has like, there's elements of danger. There's a lot of darkness, um, but it's also still like fun and adventurous. And Fairyland is run by a Marquess who is maybe a little psychotic um, and sends September on this adventure or quest to find a talisman off in the enchanted woods and all that. And if she doesn't find it, then the Marquess is going to start basically like, terrorizing all the inhabitants of fairyland so while she's off doing that she makes a bunch of friends including um a oh what a wyvern i think is what they call him who's literary yes yes his name is a through l um who is the child of a library and a dragon or something like that yep <laughs> it's so good um she becomes best friend with a boy named saturday who is blue and allergic to iron it's just all very odd like it's got that Everything is like two or three clicks off um, in the way that Neil Gaiman's books are, um, except it's 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 more. And it's like colorful and it's very sensuous, which seems like a weird 
word to describe a children's book, but I mean that in like, it's heavy on the senses. Like there's a lot of food and there's a lot of descriptions of colors and textiles and things like that. Um, so you, you know, you feel a lot, you taste a lot, you're like in there with her. And September is like bratty and smart and it's just a lot of fun. So that's The Girl Who Circumnavigated Fairyland in a Ship of Her Own Making by Catherine Valenti. All of the cosine. I'm so mad that Amanda got to that before I did. <laughs> the benefit of picking the questions is I that I can know. drop the answers before 10 Such a big jerk. Um, <laughs> okay. But no, I have a good other one for you, which is Magonia by Maria Devana Headley. It is the first in a series, although if I recall correctly, the second... Oh, no. Aerie is out. Yeah. The second one is Aerie, which is also out. Um, and it is about a girl named Aza Ray who has had a mysterious lung disease since she was born. Um, and she's just like it's really her life is rough um and one day she sees a ship like flying in the sky and her everybody around her is like ah that's probably a side effect of your medication like you're just hallucinating but she's hearing someone on the ship calling to her and one day a thing happens spoilers so i'm not gonna say what um but aza finds out that like she might not actually be human and she belongs on that sky ship and she's up in the clouds and now she's got like feathers kind of and <laughs> life is just very different from what she thought it was. Like now she has these awesome powers and suddenly she can breathe and like it's a really awesome sort of look at like what it's like to have a chronic illness and then what it would look like to suddenly be part of a world where that illness was no longer relevant to you and like the adventures that you could have. And it's really great. Um, there's also a love story, uh, like a first love story, which is really sweet, but it's super fun. There's good action, there's sky pirates, there's like big storms and there's magic and it's it's got some dark moments for sure. It's definitely like YA for, you know, 13 and up, I would say, Um Although I wouldn't, I don't remember there being anything like super objectionable um, in terms of content. Not that it matters. I'm just saying. But um, but yeah, I just I, it was really fun, and the world that she built was really cool. And like I know people who have gotten tattoos based on this book, so it's definitely got a, a huge fan base. I think it's worth you checking out. So that is Magonia by Maria Devana Headley. Okay, question for us from Devin, who says, I feel like the last few books I've read have been stories to get through. I enjoy them, but, they, but I don't find myself savoring words for the words alone. I also find that I haven't read much romance lately. Could you recommend something where the language is as decadent as chocolate and there might be some will-they-won't-they they romantic speculation? Favorite books include The Sugar Queen, Jane Eyre, The Blue Sword, and A Tale for the Time Being. <clears throat> okay, I latched onto your Jane Eyre thing here, um, and I went with Fingersmith by Sarah Waters, which I'm actually reading myself right now. I'm like three quarters of the way through, and Fingersmith is Charles Dickens with lesbians. That's what's happening right now, and it's <laughs> it's just it's so great. Why? I, this is the first Sarah Waters book I've read, and I like why? Why did I? Why? <laughs> why did I wait so long? Why did are you people let me wait so long? Are you reading it because of Melinda Lowe? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so we have another podcast recommended where we like interview famous or not famous, but like interesting people about their favorite books. And I got to talk to Miranda Lowe, Melinda Lowe, and she recommended Sarah Waters. So I went off and yes. Okay. Anyway, so um, the main character in Fingersmith's name is Sue. She's an orphan who is raised among thieves, uh, like in a family of thieves. And she gets like wrapped up in this plot with another thief uh, who is a gentleman, like, like, not born into poverty, like gentry, um, who has abandoned his uh, family and 
goes off to a life of crime. Um, but his name, they call him Gentleman in the book. I think his name is Richard. But he has come up with this plot to marry this wealthy heiress who lives out in the middle of nowhere, like in a very Jane Eyre, like on the moors, no friends, no visitors, lives with a crazy uncle kind of situation, um, to marry her for her money and then have her locked up in an insane asylum. Um, until she dies so that she can have, so that he can have all the money. And he gets Sue to be her lady's maid to like help usher this woman along into falling in love with him and to assuage all of her fears and her nerves and to finally help him like physically take her off to marry her and then get her locked up. Uh, the, the, the wrinkle here is that Sue and the heiress whose name I'm not remembering right now, even though I literally read it this morning, whatever, uh, Sue and the heiress, fall in love um, and have an affair and but she doesn't want to Sue doesn't want to tell her like BTW I came here under false pretenses to pretenses to steal your fortune and get you murdered like she doesn't want to tell this girl that she has developed these feelings for um, what's happening um, so it's got a lot of Dickensian uh, like I don't want to say tropes but elements I mean it's it's opens Victorian London and it's you know it's dirty and smoggy and there's a lot of pickpockets and it's very Oliver Twistish. Um, except everyone in the book is a Dickensian villain and no one is a good person. <laughs> um, so it's kind of almost better. Like I mean Dickens, you know, there's a there's a bearded Charles Dickens shaped area in my heart, but I kind of maybe, <laughs> maybe like this a little better. I don't know, um, but it's great. So there is that will they won't they romance because like they might not because she might die. Who knows? Or maybe Sue gets caught and she dies. I don't know. I'm not at the ending yet, so I don't know what happens. Um, but you know, uh, Sarah Waters is such an amazing writer and the, the language is very, it's just like edible. Like it's yummy. Um, so yeah. So that's Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. I picked The Queen of the Night by Alexander Chi, which I have not recommended on this show in like a year. Yes. So kudos to me yeah. and also excited to be able to talk about it again. Such restraint. I know. <laughs> I've been so proud of myself. Um, this book, oh my goodness. It is long. It is like over 500 pages, but I read it all in two sittings because it is just so... It just sucks you in and it's so atmospheric and his, his he does write so beautifully. It's about a woman named Liliet Byrne who is an acclaimed opera singer. She's a soprano. She's got like all of the accolades and at a party, like a, a ball, a gala, this is in um, sort of Napoleonic era France, uh, she gets offered an original role, which is like a big deal in opera. I, it turns out, I didn't know anything about opera when I picked mm -hmm. this book up and now I'm like, oh yes, I know some things. Um, but so... But so she starts to read the libretto and realizes that it's basically about her secret past. So part of the book is her trying to figure out, like, who could know... Like, who is setting her up? Who knows these things about things she thought nobody knew? And, like, why are they setting her up? And then the book sort of jumps back and forth through time. So you find out, like, where she's actually from, some of the secrets that she's hiding. And she's had, like, a crazy life. Like, she was born in America. She comes to France as a teenager. She was mute for a long time. She was, like, involved in politics. She worked in the palace. Like, there's all of this stuff that she has been sort of hiding under her opera singer persona. Liliet is definitely not her real name, like all of this stuff. Um, and so, so you are kind of sucked into this, you know, grand sweeping epic moment in history, but also like 
she's she's like lost love and she's you know put up with relationships that you know for for reasons but that were very bad and you you know sort of see her becoming like this hardened woman of mystery and you know why but you're like oh if only you know that there's definitely like a romantic subplot in here that's really powerful and the ending oh my goodness like the ending I have a lot of feelings clearly about (laughs) this book I have a lot of feelings about it um and it's just amazing it's just a really incredible beautiful immersive story and I think it will give you like the books that you mentioned you know are some of them are magical some of them are not but like some of them are historical some of them are not but it's 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 got this sort of sense of possibility um about like what life can be like that I think you will dig so that is the queen of the night by Alexander Chi Oh, it's me again twice. Okay, so mm-hmm. our second sponsor is us. It's Book Riot Insiders. Jazz hands. I can't not do jazz hands. <laughs> insiders. So we launched earlier this year a program where subscribers can get special exclusive content uh, for a monthly fee. So you can sign up. There are three levels, two of which are available right now. Um, and you get things like a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter. There's an exclusive deal for the Book Riot store. We have special podcasts just for subscribers. And there's the magical new release index, which is curated by our very own Liberty, who does the All the Books podcast and the New Books newsletter. And she hunts up all of the books that are coming out that she thinks are super interesting. Um, Some of them she's read and reviewed, and we just added a bunch of new fancy filters to it, so it's even mo' better now. Uh, But if you have been looking for a way to keep track of, like, what is coming out, which is super hard to do, this is a curated list and a very fancy, beautiful sort of part of the site that you can mess around, make a watch list, help yourself remember, pre-order things. It's all there for you. Uh, So you should definitely check out Book Ride Insiders. It's in insiders.bookriot.com and yeah it's it's super fun the insiders forum which is the sold out thing um it's also really great and if you are that's that epic level and if you're a novel level subscriber you get first dibs on spots when they open up so even if you're like oh but i want the forum like sign up for novel because there's good stuff in there and you get first notification when there are new spots so again that's insiders.bookriot.com mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Okay, so our question five is from Amy, who says, I recently read and loved both Hatching Twitter by Nick Bilton and Startup by Dory Schaffer, and this latest Uber scandal has got me interested in more behind-the-scenes tech companies slash startup books. I read Dave Eggers' The Circle when it first came out and thought it was just kind of okay. I need some strong characters to really hook me into a story, though it doesn't matter if they're likable or not. I'm much less interested in the technology-is-world-changing angle than I am in the company culture angle, fiction or non-fiction doesn't matter I'm just looking for a juicy story Amanda what you got okay um this might seem a little off the wall but I think it'll work I picked Infomocracy by Malka Older uh oh this is the older party apparently Malka Older is DJ Older's sister and I didn't realize that I put them both on the the same agenda whatever anyway it doesn't matter um so this is a near future science fiction in which uh the world government is broken down into what they call micro democracy so I think is, is it for every 100,000 people, yeah, it's called Centennials. Um, for every every 100,000 people is its own little, like, micro-democracy. They elect their own leaders. They're run by their own party. Um, and when the book opens, it's time to elect a supermajority. So elections are happening, and whoever wins the supermajority essentially runs the world, um, basically. And so the the main character, there are the three, I think, uh, characters that you follow. One of them works for a party who's, like, trying to get... 
um, you know, his party elected into the supermajority. And then Mishima is an information operative. And information is the reason why I picked this book for you. Information is a search engine face. It's like a, if Google and Facebook had some horrifying baby <laughs> that then had access to like corporations and political power, then that would be information. So it's, um, it tracks everything everyone does all the time, always. Um, and Mishima is like a, not a bodyguard, but she's a, a like a fixer for information. She goes out to um, serve their cause, basically, and keep the wheels kind of going on this big political experiment. And so information doesn't run these elections, but they are... Um, keeping everybody up to date and up to the minute or second on what's happening in the elections and try there are like laws about who can do what that information tries to expose. And it's just, it's like, it's very similar to what we have now, but you know, imagined a hundred years into the future essentially. Um, but the looks at how information is run in this universe and like the, the company culture is really interesting. It reminded me actually a lot of, um, what was that? What was the Facebook movie? Uh, oh yeah, Social Network. Is that I think. What I think. Yeah, the movie about how Facebook got started about Zuckerberg, um, and like all those scenes where it's just a bunch of dudes because it was all dudes like in headphones coding for like hours, and like forty eight hours later they come up to drink a Red Bull and then they get back to it. That kind of stuff. Like the scenes where you're focusing on information in the book reminded me of that a lot. Like everybody really believes in what they're doing, um, and in like in how information is trying to contribute to like political transparency but is that even possible and it's like data crunching and nerds and it's very (laughs) corporate culture-y um but like if every employee had had drank the kool-aid like if you were in facebook and in its early days and like really believed that it was a thing that was gonna change the world for the better somehow i don't know why you would ever think about facebook um but like that would kind of be what this is i don't know it's such a weird reading experience um but it does, it does remind me a lot of Google and that, that Facebook movie. So, yeah, so that's Infomocracy by Malcolm Older. And the second book just came out. I haven't read it yet, but... Um, oh, it's so good. I know. It's, like, in a stack. I'll, I'll get to it. Um, so, yeah, Godspeed. Excellent. It's fun to recommend that book on a voting day. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, okay, I picked for you Reset by Ellen Powell, which is her memoir. Um, in case you don't know, Ellen Powell was uh, sort of brought into the public eye in 2015 when she sued a really powerful uh, Silicon Valley venture capital firm for workplace discrimination, um, specifically like gender discrimination. And she lost the suit, but it, it was part of this sort of moment where um, it, it kicked off a lot of exposés of the corporate culture in the tech world and like how toxic it actually is. Um, So this is her memoir about it. And she, I'm reading this right now. I'm about halfway through and it's so interesting. She spends like the first 30 pages talking about like growing up the daughter of immigrants and, you know, like sort of setting the scene for how she approached working in the startup and tech world, which was very hopeful. Like she really felt like this was where interesting things were happening. This was where important future stuff was going to be coming from. And she wanted to be a part of it. And um, where I'm at now in the book about halfway is where she's like sort of bouncing around from company to company, which is what you did in Silicon Valley, especially in the early aughts and um, sort of like cataloging, like, the small incidences that at the time she wrote off 
but you know, sort of setting the scene for what was going to come later. And, um, and like she, so she worked in venture capital. She also worked for Reddit. Like she was in this stuff early on and made like super at the time unpopular decisions that seem so obvious. Like when she was at Reddit, she banned revenge porn and mm. unauthorized new photos. Like, Hmm. Like, uh, boy, I wonder. How dare she? How dare? Like, exactly. You're just like, boy. Okay. Um. And and it's just really, it's cool to see from her perspective. Like, first of all, what she was looking at in terms of being part of these companies, and like what finally drove her to the point where she sued one of the most powerful venture capital firms and like how do you get to that point um so i think you will find a lot uh of what you're looking for in this book and also it's like i think it's historically important if we're talking about the history of the tech world like this is a book you should read so that is reset my fight for inclusion and lasting change by ellen powell Okay, question six is from Rachel, who says, I recently plowed my way through War and Peace, and I loved it. However, I've realized that I know nothing about the Napoleonic Wars or Russian history. I prefer historical fiction, but I wouldn't say no to some readable nonfiction either. Okay, well, congratulations on making your way through War and Peace. That's quite a feat, and you should give yourself a donut for that, because that's impressive. Okay, I stuck with historical fiction, and I went with The Winter Palace by Eva Stachniak, which I read and loved it's like gossipy juicy it's like philippa gregory if you read is that is that right who wrote the yeah um, yeah 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 the who, who writes all of those like really juicy tutor um novels but for russia so uh, the the protagonist well not the protagonist the, the narrator's name is barbara and she is a servant in empress elizabeth's court and she um is tutored by a, a count uh, in the court to um, become like a lady's maid and to also be a spy master, basically. So she like learns how to pick locks. She learns how to eavesdrop. She learns all the um, tunnels and stuff that are the secret passageways that run throughout all of the rooms in the royal family's house in uh, in the Winter Palace. Um, and then while she she's like installed in the palace and then told to just kind of wait until she has an opportunity to use her skills. And that opportunity comes um, with a princess named Sophie, who is like planned people have planned that she is going to marry the empress's nephew and then she becomes this princess sophie becomes catherine the great so it's a look at the a fictionalized very very fictionalized look at the rise of catherine the great um who of course is a famous russian uh, empress um through the eyes of one of her servants and the um the spy master angle is useful because then you get to like read her letters through the eyes of barbara and like overhear all of her conversations and all this stuff um it's very stressful sophie turns out to not be this like kind of dumb vapid princess who the empress can use as a pawn she turns out to want her to have her own ambitions and to be very uh, lofty in those ambitions and so barbara becomes like her ally and together um her like loyal you know pair of eyes <laughs> in the court and so together they help orchestrate catherine the great's development into catherine the great so um i wouldn't say that it's like the most <laughs> historically accurate book I've ever read, but, you know, it's historical fiction, and it's meant to be emotive and um, page-turnery and exciting and all of those sorts of things. So there is a great um, biography of Catherine the Great that's just called Catherine that you could maybe read with it if you wanted a more factual look at her life, but this one is, like, just juicy and fun, um, and you'll get through it fast. I really liked it. So, yeah, that's The Winter Palace, a novel of Catherine the Great by Eva Stuchniak. 
I have two quick shout outs for you, one of which is uh, the Queen of the Night, which is um, Second Empire France primarily, which is like post right after Napoleon. Um, and then uh, also you should pick up The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas because that is like Napoleonic war fiction at its finest from the period, like, oh, so good. But what I also wanted to give you in terms of Russian history is another personal favorite. I, I'm a big fan of War and Peace also, and um, this book had for me a lot of the same feelings, even though it is not at all the same book, and it's Dr. Zhivago by Boris Pasternak. Um, this one is a, like a giant like doorstopper about the Russian Revolution and the aftermath. Um, it follows a bourgeois family um, during the revolution and it is like the soviets like did not want this book to be around <laughs> like pasternak was awarded the nobel prize for literature um in 1958 and he was like made to decline the prize like that's how much this book was not supposed to exist uh, so it's about a doctor named Yuri Zhivago, who is a physician, and his life is just, like, totally disrupted by the war. And he falls in love with a woman named Lara, who is the wife of a revolutionary. And it's just about their lives, like, what life was like. Um, it's atmospheric, it's sad, it's beautiful, like, it's just got all of those sort of epic historical story feels to it. Um, I also recommend the movie. It's just really same, like atmospheric, epic, just beautifully done. Um, the old movie though, not like a newer one. Now I'm going to have to look up to see which one exactly I'm in, but it's <laughs> Doesn't amazing. the new one have Kira Knightley in it? Yeah, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You want the 1965 version with Omar Sharif and Julie Christie. Yes. That's the one that you want. It is so good. But yeah, I just, I mean, it's a, it's like, it, it's a classic. It's a Nobel Prize winning classic. Like you, you should definitely read it if you want more of that like epic Russian literature. So again, that's Dr. Zhivago by Boris Pasternak. Okay, next question is from Ebony, who says, I absolutely love Secret Life of Bees by Sue Monk Kid. I recently read Whistling Past the Graveyard, which had a similar storyline. Can you recommend any other books similar with a child slash preteen narrator set in the South with difficult family <laughs> life? Uh, I had a hard time with this question. Amanda, you go first. Southern Gothic, weird for the win. Okay, um, my book is uh, has all the trigger warnings that exist, basically. Uh, it's Bastard Out of Carolina by Dorothy Allison. Uh, and this is a book about a girl named Bone. Uh, her name is Ruth Ann Boatwright, but she goes by Bone. She is uh, growing up in Greenville County in South Carolina. Her mother had her when she was a teenager and was not married and like spends a lot of her time trying to get illegitimate, like the stamp that says illegitimate, off of Bone's uh, birth certificate. Uh, so eventually her mother marries a guy named Glenn who is abusive and terrible. Um, and the book is basically about bone trying to survive living in this house with that man and with a mother who chooses her love for him over protecting her daughter. Um, and, uh, poverty. Like he, the Glenn is such a, he's such a terrible character. Like, no, he's, he's very, he's well-written, but he's a t terrible person. Like, he, he can't hold down a job. He comes from kind of a, an upper-middle-class family, so his marriage to Bone's mother is considered, like, like he married down, like, she's white trash and all this kind of thing. Um, and so his family doesn't provide them with any assistance. Uh, so they, they move a lot. They're in and out of poverty. And then, of course, there's all of the abuse that he um, perpetuates on 
to the main character. And then I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, her mother and Glenn have another daughter, um, and then Bone has to deal with deal with that and how um, Glenn like dotes on her, but continues to abuse Bone. So it's got all, all of the elements that you're looking for. I mean, it's it's a precocious kid narrator in the south of the horrible family life it's maybe a little bit darker i mean not a little bit it's maybe darker than uh secret life of bees and it's it's not um hopeful necessarily like i spoiler i guess uh, it's been out for a while i mean this book was written in, like what the 70s oh no 1992 jk i feel like it was a lot older than that well, whatever it's been out long enough um at the end her parents leave. Like they take her sister and they just leave Glenn and her mom. Um, and so you kind of don't really know. It's very open-ended. I don't, I don't think if I remember right, you don't ever find out like what happens to bone. So it's not, it's not a, a hopeful story of like overcoming bad, pa- a bad past to become better or whatever. It's just a portrait of poverty and abuse in the South. Like that's just what it is. Um, but it's, kind of exactly what you wanted. So I feel like I'm not doing... It's really well written. It won a bunch of awards. Like, it, well, it was uh, a finalist for the National Book Award. Um, Dorothy Allison is a genius. You should read it. But you're going to maybe need to eat some carbohydrates after to handle your feelings. So that's Bastard Out of Carolina by Dorothy Allison. Okay. So my pick for this question is a Southern classic. It is The Heart is a Lonely Hunter by Carson McCullers, which I read as a grown-up. I knew a lot of people in high school who read this book, and for some reason, everything they told me about it made me not want to read it. <laughs> um, I don't know why. And then I read it for a book group uh, in the last, like, 10 years, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. Um, and it is... A, it's set in a mill town in Georgia during the 1930s, and it has a few narrators. Um, there is a man named John Singer who is deaf and mute, who sort of like people just like project all their stuff onto him because he is deaf and mute and they don't know how else to communicate with him than by talking at him. So he is sort of the person who hears all of everybody's like dark secrets um and then there's also a young girl so you asked for um a a child narrator and uh, mick kelly is a young girl who is like the the real joy in her life is music um she is just like really into music and the piano um and there's also a man who runs local diner like there's a bunch of different people uh sort of sharing space in this novel and it's such, it's so beautifully written. And it's shocking to think about the fact that she wrote this when she was 23, or it was published when she was 23, something like that. And, and it was her first book. It's, it's so good. Mm. Um, it's about sort of those feelings of isolation uh, that where people are just not connecting with each other. Like they don't know how to connect with each other. Um, It's about racial tensions in the South. It's about that feeling when you're a kid of like trying to find the thing that's going to get you through as you move into an adulthood, like uh, when you're on that cusp of pre-adolescence into adolescence and like what that transition feels like. It's just, I mean, she just is so good at documenting how people are feeling, but in this sort of spare way, like there's a little bit of distance. So it's not like, 
it's not so much that you're in their feelings as that you're seeing their feelings played out on the page. I'm like mangling this. I don't know. I don't know why this is so hard for me to talk about because it is a classic and I've talked about it before. But apparently today I'm having feelings about it. So anyway, it's just a really beautiful novel, uh, a beautiful slice of nice slice of life novel uh, set in the South with a child heroine. So I think, you know, it's going to fit all of the things that you're looking for. And it doesn't come with any trigger warnings. So there's, <laughs> so there's that. Um, so again, that's The Heart is a Lonely Hunter by Carson McCullers. Really read everything she's written. She's got a short story collection that's just like bananas good. Um, she's amazing. All right. And that was our last question. Thank you so much for listening. Please do leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We love to see your feedback and it helps other folks to find the show. Thank you very much to our sponsors, including ourselves. What, what? Uh, you can find me on Tumblr these days. It's jenirl.tumblr.com and that's Jen with two N's. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson, though today I'm having a lot of election feelings on Twitter. So. <laughs> it's the same handle, so whatever. <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't articulate today. <laughs> Fair enough. Apparently, neither can I. All right. We'll hopefully articulate better next time. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>